Yeah, I, I don't think we can start with the pre-season until we talk about the off-season. So, you know, you go right. through this campaign where you play, I don't know, anywhere between 30 and 60 games within English football, which is a lot on the body. And then you get a period of time off, uh, again, somewhere between four and eight weeks. So you're probably looking at two or three weeks where you go on vacation with your family, you have a holiday with your your mates, if you're younger, and then you start to think about getting into shape and coming back into pre-season. And then it usually starts at the beginning of July if you're playing in, in, in the UK, a little bit earlier in the year, probably late January, early February if you're in the MLS. And you come in and you have this exuberance to get the season started, you're excited, you're, uh, you're, you're ready to get going. And you know that you're going to have to test yourself mentally and physically to get into shape. That's the key thing. The physical conditioning is the first the first thing you focus on, Kev. You, you think, right, have I done enough in the close season that I'm up and running? Because if you've not, it's going to be hard. It's going to be arduous. It's going to maybe cost you your place in the start lineup for the first game. I need to be ready. I need to be prepared. I need to be the right weight. And what does that mean? What does that mean specifically for a soccer player in the off season? Is it, is it, Weight training, is it just, is it a lot of running? So everybody's different, aren't they? You know, everybody has their, mm. their areas that they need to strengthen up. And again, when you're in the UK, you have a, a finite time. So normally it's just your cardiovascular anaerobic energy, you know, what you can you can do in that regard, because you'll lose that really quickly and, and you've, you need to take a break. So it's getting that up to speed. But in MLS, if you're a younger player, you, you might want to try and bulk up a bit, to get a bit stronger, do a bit of core stuff. It could be many different things. For me, it was always the the anaerobic capacity to, to try and be ready for that first day. Because if you're ready and you're in good shape, then you can enjoy it more. If you're not, it's going to be extremely difficult. You're going to have these periods where you're just miserable <laughs> because you're fighting to keep up with your teammates um, and you're then starting all these mental problems where you're thinking, well, is my place in jeopardy? You know, the manager's going to be saying, well, if he's not physically there, then I need to get him physically there before I can get him tactically there. Yeah. So I, I think that part is quite interesting. I used to have that few weeks off. I used to do a series of runs. Um, I would get a plan for the fitness coach and I would go through that plan methodically and I, and I would be ready. And there was this one run that I always used to do in Stirling where we have a castle in Stirling and it's on the top of a hill. And so I would start my mum's uh, little village and I'd, I'd come out there and it was probably like a flat run of about maybe a kilometre and a half, two kilometres to the bottom of this hill. And that would be my sort of warm-up, get my blood going, get the legs nice and supple. And I'd start this hill. And it was like this, the entire way, gradient, about 14%. It was stupid. And it would just climb up. There would be areas that were steeper than others. And it's always hard, that run. It doesn't matter what shape you're in. But you can tell where you are for the previous year. or that, You know, it gave you an indication of how you were feeling. And every, when you get to the top, where it's them, if you can get to the top, um, then you know you're in good shape and you're ready to go. So that was always my indicator. But... Once you get back and you get into it and you've had maybe a week of pre-season, then you're up and running. You feel like now it's time to start forging the relationships and, and getting ready for 
for the good stuff that's going to come. Right. Now, do you have any, any stories of, of players not coming into camp uh, in shape? Oh, or? so many. Uh, loads of players would come in overweight and the manager would be furious. Their body fat would be up five, six, seven, eight percent, which is a lot for a professional. And they're, they're fighting hard to to get themselves in shape. And, and, and again, the manager's pissed off. He's, he's already on your back and that's the problem. That's what you want to try and make sure doesn't happen. Uh, and I've had it myself where I've been coming back and there's 10 days to go and I'm overweight by four or five kilos. I'm like, oh shit, I have to get in a crash diet here and I'm essentially starving myself while working out to right. try and get ready to go so that right. I, you know I, I'm hitting my weight for the previous year or somewhere near it. So yeah, the anxiety levels are are huge. They are. They're, you're you're very anxious to get going and to to be fit again. That as you get older, you get smarter because you don't let yourself drop off so much. Right. You just maintain, and that's right. the key. And that's what experience brings you. That you maintain the levels that are needed to not have to go through that fight because it's so taxing on the body. Right. And and is there, do you have any experience, you know, in, in, in the preseason, are, are guys really, are guys really like fighting for jobs? Uh, yeah. And, and it can get pretty intense, I'm sure. Um, and, and in terms of how much do, do, do the managers look at the preseason games as, as real ways that they can really indicate who's going to be making the club? Or, or is that more done on during practice, would you say? Uh, no, it's done during the games. Uh, so, you know, you'll come in, you'll go through your week or 10 days of running and ball work. And again, it changed from when I was a young pro to when I retired, where mm-hmm. at the beginning it was run, run, run for a week, no balls. And then it became, by the end, the balls are out right at the start because, you know, sports science has dictated that right. you get this anaerobic, energy and capacity from doing like-minded things in the game, not right. running a forest run six kilometers or something like that. That's what we right, did back right, then, right. you know? Right. So, um, so you come in, you go through that and then you get to go on your, your trip, your preseason trip. And we'll, we'll touch on that in a minute. Cause that's, that's an important part of the whole process for successful teams. Um, but once you come back for your trip, whatever that may be, then you're into games against lower league teams, maybe some foreign teams from Europe or whatever, and maybe some teams uh, a, a league or below, a league or so below you or above you. Right. And that's when the kind of decisions are made on how ready you are, how you're gelling with your teammate, how you're coming together as as a as a group and as a unit. And the manager will start making decisions then, heading into that kind of mid August first game of the season mm. where uh, where you're you're desperate to be in the team for that game because that's that's the game that usually sets up your season. You want to be starting the first game. You've waited weeks and months for this moment. You need to be in the team on that game. And and so talk to me about these these trips that you guys <laughs> go on. A lot of times I I mean they come into to North America as well, right? A yep. lot of European clubs now was that always the case? My favorite ones were always to North America. Uh, right. The first time I came to North America was with Sunderland. I think Newcastle came to Washington, D.C. and maybe somewhere else. But I missed that one, which I was bitterly disappointed about because, again, I wasn't right. in the first team, 22 players at the time. And 
I sort of should have been. I was 20 year old or 21 and I was pretty mad that I missed it, but I missed it. Uh, and then we came with Sunderland. The first season I signed with Sunderland, we came to uh, Carolina. I think we went to North and South Carolina and, uh, and it was brilliant coming to the US because you, you got the best of everything. You got to bond as a team. You got to have some free time. You could go to the cinema. You could go to coffee shops. You could go to the bars at the right time. Uh, and you had mm. these moments where you, you became a unit and you also trained extremely hard and usually pretty humid and, and intense conditions. So uh, Carolina, I was, I was Portland, Vancouver, Seattle one year with Sunderland, uh, Burnley, we used to come, we came to California. and So, so you, they're, they're the kind of glamour ones to me. Uh, mm-hmm. They're the stories that I remember fondly where, you know, we had nights out and we had fun and we had laughs and we were at the beach and we were right. at the mall and, and I loved them. And I, I honestly think that these sort of environments were just the best for uh, for the togetherness of the team. And then there's the ones where you go to Austria. <laughs> so <laughs> you go to like the Alps in Austria. Right. And there's nothing to do. You're in a right. forest. You're up high in the mountains. You know, I went to Burnley one year with Steve Cotterell. He's waking us up at 6 a.m. for a, a, a run before we have breakfast to go into practice. You know, like and being in the military. It's miserable, Kev. You're just so depressed. There's nothing to do. You know, we're, we're sort of kayaking through these wild rapids. We'll jump off these rocks into water. And, you know, th- there's no real fun involved. So <laughs> you get into trouble because... <laughs> As soon as you see a pub or you see a, you know, a, we, we used to go, Andy Gray and I, uh, my good friend Andy Gray, brilliant guy who's at, at Burnley and Sunderland with me. Andy Gray and I, first night we got on the bikes and we cycle up the road about a couple of kilometres and we see this campsite pub and we're so bored. So we're like, oh, let's stop, we'll have a beer. Right. So we stop and we have and where, a And whereabouts is this? This is in Austria. Okay, yeah. near Salzburg, I think it was, up in the Alps. Right. Beautiful facility, you know, great pitches and, you know, not salubrious rooms, but great facility to kind of camp guys, but nothing going on. So you start getting into trouble by day three or four because you're so bored. So we find this campsite, a couple of pints. We, uh, we leave the, leave the campsite, uh, that night cycle back all very well. But the next day, we're like, we need to go back to that campsite. It's the only thing that's going to get us through the day. So the next night we go and the couple of pints becomes four or five pints. And the next night it becomes a couple of shots and six or seven pints. Yeah, (laughs) yeah, yeah. We're pushing it every night and we're cycling these bikes back on this, you know, barely lit uh, pathway all the way back to the camp. And and these are the things that go on in pre-season again. It's the stories you remember. It's the, the bonds that you build within that environment. But to me, the U.S., uh, I had a miserable one in Malaysia one year in Newcastle where we just couldn't sleep and it was humid and we were training hard every day and we were up all night and it was just, oh, it felt like a month. It was yeah, six or seven days, a beautiful country, Malaysia, but just what what was being asked to us within that tough sleeping environment because of the jet lag was was horrible. To me, the US is the best. North America, they're the best ones, right. kid, because... Guys get together, you end up, you know, having fun and, and stories and bonds begin then and it sets you up for the season. But it's kind of, 
you know, for, um, for us here, it was, it's, it's kind of an interesting thing, right? Because we know it's the off season. So a lot of times we're not seeing like, um, you know, like now I'm hearing it from, from the players, yeah. the, the point of view, right. Which is very different because I went to go see, you know, see Celtic play at, at BMO and the fucking guys, they, they didn't even have, have names on their fucking, their jerseys. Cause, cause they, there were just some, like they had guys who never played before. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And, and did you, did it feel like it was like, even in Malaysia, like, was this a, a marketing thing for the, for the club? Like what was sort of the point behind that? Yeah, think? it was very much a marketing thing. And it was one of the first years of the, the, the Premier League Cup or whatever they call it now. I didn't know what the name is, but it was, you know, sort of early 2000s, 2002 or three maybe. And it was Birmingham, Chelsea, Newcastle United and the Malaysian national team or whatever was made up of that at the time. I don't know if it was their full strength side. But we played these games within the stadium in Kuala Lumpur and it was packed nearly every night and everyone was expecting this Premier League football that they see on a regular basis. But we were in the mindset that we were getting ready for what we considered the real Premier League football. So that was a problem because um, it the fans are sort of shortchanged a little bit because there's no way that... We can ask these guys to play at the intensity that they do in the Premier League in pre-season games. It's about preparation. It's about getting ready and, and being at your your best physical and technical point come first game in August. That's the key. And right. You can't be there in July. It's just impossible. You, you actually don't want to be there in July because you can't maintain it really till the end of May. So right, right. You're, you're just kind of like, you're, you're like a, you know, you're a finely tuned athlete. You're trying to just peak at the right times, you know, and you, and you need to, you know that your body can only take so much. So you, you, you've got to be precise with your timings and when you're ready, how sharp you are at the, at the optimum time. Yeah, it just kind of occurred to me that that also it would be because of how England is actually, you know, geographically, it's not very, very large. So I was just, it just occurred to me that com- compared to, to a North American club who, who goes on these long road trips anyway. Yeah. So, right. They get a chance to go to California from Toronto yeah. for, for a week and a half. Right. And that's where the team bonds. Yeah. So they don't really have to do, you know, so it's interesting because when you're playing in England, I mean, a lot of times, I guess you're sleeping in your own bed right after a match, right? Even if it's not in your town, right? Like, yeah, nearly every time, nearly huh. every time you're uh, you're on the bus and you're heading back and you're getting in it. Worst travel normally is like you're getting in at two or three in the morning and you're going to bed and you're you the next day off or you're uh, or you're you're training the next day. But that's the reality. You don't go away during the season, right? Um, so these trips are the time for you to go away and be like within yeah. that environment consistently. So there's there's real uh, there's real upside to the the culture that can be built within these pre seasons. That's that's the uh, that's the importance. And so when you moved when you moved to TFC, yeah, what where, was the preseason always out in California? Or was no, it, it was Florida. Florida? It yeah. was Florida, and we uh, we went for. We broke it up, which was nice. Um, and we would go Sarasota for about 
10 days, maybe. We'd play a couple of games, but most of that was your kind of training period. And uh, and it was nice hotel and stuff, obviously good weather compared to Toronto in early February. But not a ton going on in the trips either, so a little bit boring. And then you'd come back for maybe a long weekend and then you'd head to, to the Disney tournament. So we'd go to Florida, right. to Orlando, and we would we'd play against MLS clubs, maybe one or two uh, teams from somewhere out with MLS, North America. Like I, one yeah. day I think Flamenco brought their under-23s, who were sensational, by the way. They gave us a real, <laughs> a real running over. Um, right. But we we would go back there, and, we, and, and that was when the kind of real action started, and you would really get tuned up because the season was... Yeah. a week away when you came back. Um, and, and so it was a month of your time. Essentially, the month of February was spent away, warm weather. There was a tournament in Arizona where the West Coast teams would play. Uh, one since kind of popped up in Hawaii. I know TFC go to California now, I think, because of their coaching staff's relationships there. And a lot of teams still go to Florida. But there's still not really that travel to Europe mentality yet from MLS teams and I, I think they would be better served to go and try and play against some Scandinavian teams or find some games against guy who are, guys who are in a mid-winter break or who are at the end of their season because I just think the the um, the variety of opponent and the, the right. sort of games that you see would be better for MLS teams than just staying in Florida and playing against the same guys you're going to play against in yeah. a few weeks time in the real season well, somebody just asked how uh, they asked on on Twitter how uh, TFC would do against Celtic. Yeah, interesting. I what don't do you know. Think? It's uh, it's always such a hard one to say. I think that Celtic are still ahead of TFC. I still think they would they would probably beat them. But again, where do they play? Do they play at Parkhead in November or do they play at Bemo Field in July? Because <laughs> Yeah, I'm pretty sure TFC would give them a very good game, probably beat them at Beamer Field in July, but I'm not sure yeah. with the right, you know, full crowd and it being a serious game that TFC go to Glasgow in November and get anything for that. I think they probably get a 2 or 3 nil defeat and they come back with the tail between their legs. But it's impossible to judge because we play a summer league here, we travel a great deal, we have a salary cap, our league's getting better and better, and I think it's going to be best, one of the best in the world one day and not too distant future. But at the moment, that intensity and that, uh, that sort of winning mentality and that grit and determination that we have in the UK is still missing a bit here. We, right. we need to get to that level of intensity and training every day and in games before we're at a level of a Celtic or a championship Premier League team. It kind of feels like they're, they're still, they're, they're, we're, we're still missing the middle class here in terms yeah. of we do have some top-notch players in the league, um, but the sort of median yeah, still lower, right? The depth the is, academies. The depth the academies is key. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. The academies, yeah. once, once we start producing – our homegrown players consistently. Right. It's coming. It's just, yeah. Some teams could say it's here, but for the majority, I think it's still coming. And once we start, that that's the that's your nucleus. These homegrown guys, these right. these lads that have been in 
academy environment since 10, like my oldest, Will, and Robbie's in it as well with the younger mm-hmm. age group. They start to know what it takes to be a real pro, you know. They're, right. they're, they're, they're getting that experience. Then I think that it will be better for that. But we're back to the point, how do we make the regular season more relevant, more important? Right. You know, Celtic don't play. Even Celtic, who win the Premier League, you know what, they're going for their eighth this year? Or right. They play at an intensity every single week that's far greater than TFC. Yeah. I'm not saying the standard's better. I'm saying the intensity's higher. Right, So right, right, right. can we get that intensity in MLS with the quality players that we are bringing from all over the world now? Well, they're also, I mean, the intensity comes from the fans as well, right? Because those, yeah. guys, those guys are getting it when they're walking around Glasgow trying to have a coffee. They're yeah. getting reminded. They're getting reminded. Whereas these guys, like you know, if you see Oro walking around, he he's he's just like a stranger. Yeah, rocking around go right? wherever he wants, and right. it's amazing. And, there's, and, there's and he plays every game. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But there's something you know to be enjoyed about that. But you're right. It's it's um, it's kind of too easy to be conspicuous, right? Here and and. There's nowhere you can be conspicuous in Glasgow if you play for Celtic or Rangers. Yeah, it could be argued that it is it is a healthier way to yeah. go about it. <laughs> but I it would might argue not, that. But it might not lead to the best results on the pitch. No, uh, but um, but but we are improving here in quality and in uh, you know in terms of the level that we can play at within a group. It, it right. is coming, and and I think that we're improving say, at a far greater rate than what Celtic football clubs improving at. So right, I agree. If we keep going and, and, and we can keep parking at stadiums and revenue can keep increasing so clubs can keep buying that level of player that we're going to surpass the Scottish Premier League before we know it, if we haven't already, and my opinion is we haven't, but if we, if we surpass that and then we become, you know, pushing for the championship in England or the Eredivisie in Holland... Right, you know the, the the Belgian league, the Julepa league in Belgium. Then we've got something, you know. Yeah. So one last thing, I'll, um, just around when 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 you moved over to MLS, and then all the travel is on airplanes, like right, and then yeah. it must have been very different, right? You you're sort of it. It's a small thing, but it seems like you're flying in an airplane. Were you guys flying commercial? Yeah, always right? commercial. Pretty always much. commercial. So you got delays. You're not, I mean, in England, uh, quick travel. Yeah. Right. Well, private planes in England, uh, if you're on the plane um, and, you know, you get to the the, the airstrip, your bags checked very quickly. You're on the plane, you're in London, if you play for Newcastle, for example, Mm -hmm. Uh, or you're on the bus and you've got a chef up the back of the bus and, you know, you've got a, you can walk around the bus, you've got Sky TV, we've got, everyone's got a, DVD and iPad and whatever it may be, guys would bring the little portable PS4, the younger lads as well. So it's right. you know it's a big luxury, right? Bus, you know. Uh, whereas here you're, you know, you're rushing to the airport, you're in traffic, you're standing in a line, you right. you don't have the right food and water because you can't take it through. Right. So you know you're you're, you're buying a sandwich at the airport. It's maybe not ideal. You're, yeah. You no, know, it's. It's tough. It's it's something that needs to be addressed. We've, we've addressed it with the CBA that's just been signed, and there's more charter travel. So uh, it, it's 
is to try and keep everything equal. That we keep it. To, I think it was four before. I don't know what increased it, but maybe it's eight. It's, it's some substantial. It's going to be better for the league. It's going to be right. better for the, the the players. It's going to allow them to play at a higher standard when they get out there on a Saturday or a Sunday. So that's mm. important because we're going to see the best of players going to the, the away games and giving their best performances in their games. But we're still a bit of ways behind in that and uh, and we need to catch up if we want to be regarded in MLS as one of the biggest leagues in the world. All right. We'll leave it there. Thanks, Stevie. Thanks, Kev. Talk soon. <laughs>